Hey, how's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, CEO and founder of High Impact Coaching here. And today, we've got an amazing guest, Phil Graham, who's a seven-figure business owner, been in the fitness and wellness space for a while now, but just some amazing, amazing insights in this episode. If you listen to this episode all the way through, there's probably a couple dozen insights that if you really integrate these insights, it's going to absolutely change your life and your business. You know, we talk about everything from his growth from finding out he had type 1 diabetes to becoming a fitness entrepreneur his growth to six figures, seven figures and beyond, and all the problems that came with it that nobody's willing to talk about. We talk about you know, all the selfish reasons to grow a business and make more money, the ugly truth about what it really takes and what people won't tell you, including possibilities of having to unfriend your friends and family members and mute your family members out of your life. But an amazing, amazing episode. You guys are not gonna wanna miss this to really understand what it truly takes to build a seven figure coaching business. So we'll see you on the other side. All right. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, best-selling author, CEO, and founder of High Impact Coaching here with a good buddy of mine, Phil Graham. Phil, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you. How are you doing, boss? Xander, I'm good, my man. The whole way from Belfast, it has started to be sunny over here, so summer is just around the corner. I, I was going to say, have you seen sunlight in a while? Has it been a bit? <laughs> it's uh, permanently summer where you are, but yeah, dude, the sun is out. The uh, mood is starting to lift, so looking forward to it. I love it, man. I love it. Phil, I'm really excited to dig into this episode with you because I think, frankly, you and I could just rant about some really amazing stuff for a while. But before I dig in, I'd love for everybody to understand who you are, what you do. You own a seven-figure business coaching fitness entrepreneurs in business. You built it entirely organically to this point, which I just think is absolutely phenomenal, something that I respect because it's something that I did as well. I don't think I know anybody else that's done that besides us two, really. So I'd love for you to dig into your story, how you got to this point. And then I've got a lot of questions for you around, you know, I think what we wanted to chat about is with seven figure businesses come seven figure problems. So I want to give people kind of a behind the scenes look at what it takes to run a seven figure business as well. So let's go ahead and dig in. Right. Well, I think I'll go back to the very, very start where my whole journey started and how I transitioned and how everything happened. So 16 years of age had absolutely no focus on health, fitness, was overweight, well-fed, and didn't move much. And long story short, I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was 16 years of age. Without going into too much of the story behind that, I remember going into school one morning on the bus and looking out of the windows and seeing the car number plates, and they were a little bit blurry. And I thought my eyesight was off. And if you know about diabetes, blurry vision is a side effect of it. And long story short, looking at these car number plates, over the course of the week, I started to know that something was wrong. And on top of that, I was going to the toilet a lot. I was losing weight. I said to my mom about it, wasn't feeling great. She said, you must have something. Brushed it off a couple of days. And then I went to the doctors. And long story short, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes overnight. Right? So when your mom breaks down and you're crying and you're walking down a hallway in a, you know, a clinical healthcare center and you're seeing like diabetic retinopathy and diabetic foot and like amputated limbs and shit on the walls, you sort of get a bit of perspective about, okay, I might die. So long story short, I was marched into this room with a diabetic specialist and I remember the language that she spoke to me and I remember some core words and subjects that she said. The language that she spoke to me was very much, you could, you might, you possibly, potentially, there is a chance on, there is a risk of. So I picked up on that language very, very young and I said, there's hope here. Yeah. There's potential for me to do something about this. Yeah. Then I remember her talking about the subject of nutrition, training, mindset, education, and diabetes medication. 
So basically from that moment onward, I then had a really high value on nutrition, health, lifestyle. This was, this was your, one of your first conversations that you had about basically what it meant to be diabetic. You actually had someone talk to you about nutrition, lifestyle, yeah. mindset. I was basically told that, look, this is what's potentially going to go wrong. However, these are the variables that you need to control. Yeah. Simple as that, right? Yeah. So basically what happened is I got inspired overnight to go and research this information. I engrossed myself in nutrition books, textbooks, anything to do with exercise and basically understanding the human body. I wanted to understand what was going on yeah. with my body, right? The reason why I wanted to do that was because I wanted to get really, really clear on how I could manage it. Now, here's what happened. I started studying it. I then went to university and studied a degree in nutrition and biochemistry. And on top of that, fell in love with the gym. Yeah. Fell in love with the gym really quick. Educational nutrition and training collided, had a great bodybuilding career from a very young age. I yeah. won a lot of shows, competed all over the world. I won Junior Mr. Northern Ireland, Junior Mr. Ireland, competed in one in Junior Mr. Britain, Junior Mr. Universe, and traveled a lot at a very young age, at 23, 24, whilst being diabetic, being told I could never do it. Yeah. So I had this education, I had this great physique, which I had literally built as a way and means of protecting me against diabetes. You say, um, you, say you had this great physique. You still have this great physique, by the way. Well, we're, well, we're, we're, I've seen you. We'll, You're we'll, we'll, shit, man. Right, we'll come to that, right? But long story short, what actually happened there was I had the physique and I had the education, and my dream was to become a dietitian, right? My dream was to become a dietitian and literally help people with their diets and all that kind of stuff. But while I was in the gym, I then had people approach me and ask me, how do you get in shape? How do you train? Et cetera, et cetera. And I started personal training people on the side. Yeah. I then started creating diet programs and training programs as one of the first online coaches in the UK. And I was a dietitian at the same time, so I could prescribe diets. So I basically started selling diet programs on Microsoft Word for like 75 quid. Yeah. Right? That then turned into 150 quid, 300 quid, 400 quid, more and more people. You went into a gym in Belfast, everybody had these like overly detailed, like 200 page PDF documents written out by me, all the calories perfectly done. I was basically doing a lot of online coaching and a lot of personal training. Originally, it was a lot of personal trainers had come to me because of the education and the physique, as well yeah. as general pop. And it was sort of like a 50-50 split of general pop and PTs looking to become better coaches. Yeah. And long story short, I kept educating and kept training and kept bodybuilding and my reputation grew and grew and grew in this country. And I had coaches that would travel far afield to come and see me. And there was sort of one day where I was like, these guys are coming and learning everything I know about nutrition, training, and yeah. how to run a business. And yep. I mean, I was like 24, 25 years of age, already running a six-figure personal training business, cash business. And realistically, I was like, okay, I've got this here. I've got an online business as well. I'm pretty good at this. And then people started to recognize onto it because I was speaking a lot that you know, I knew what I was talking about when it came to nutrition, lifestyle, mindset, and I was obviously this type one role model. So long story short, that then turned into education. I then began educating coaches on the nutrition side of things, not so much the business side of things, yeah. but nutrition. And but helping them become better coaches. Helping them become a better coach, right? Yeah. I did that. And then basically that morphed into a completely separate fitness business development kind of yeah. role where yeah. I was helping coaches grow their business. 
And then the PT, I subsided. I kept the online coaching going for a while. But then I realized I was speaking. I used to speak at expos all over Europe to personal trainers. And we would have spoken to crowds of like, you know, a thousand personal trainers at a time. And I remember I did this one public uh, nutrition talk at a place called Body Power Expo. And I remember after the event, I had this massive queue of people. And for some reason, they were all diabetic, right? Yeah. And one person said to me when I came off the stage, you really got to do something for us diabetics because we really don't know who to turn to, what advice to get, and how to get in shape. Everything from the doctors is generic, it's bland, it's not potent enough. And I basically spent my whole life's work basically learning how to build a, a great physique with bodybuilding and diabetes. So I took that information and I wrote an encyclopedia on diabetes and muscle building. It's like super comprehensive. Yeah. It's huge. Built that, self-published. We've now sold just over 27,000 copies in the last two and a half years. Amazing. I built an online community with it and basically connected people from all over the world with the common thread of diabetes, muscle building, fat loss, and athleticism. Yeah. And we reached out to athletes all over the world that had this. So anyway, that was like a side project whilst I was doing the fitness business thing. And that looks after itself, now runs itself, I don't touch it. We did the whole thing with the ebooks, with the cookbooks, the online coaching, the paperback books. Yeah. That business completely runs itself, it's systemized, I don't touch it, it's there, it runs. It's all the fulfillments looked after and everything else. So while that was growing, the fitness business stuff started to grow. And I launched my first mastermind like three years ago. Yeah. Right? And so how long had you been in business up to that point? So, well, I'm 32 now and I've been running my personal training business since literally probably about two years after I was diagnosed at 16. When I left to go to university, my first 20 years of university, when I was starting nutrition, I started doing the diet programs and the online coaching. So I've been doing it for fucking quite a while, right? Yeah. So, and, and I think, but this is something that I want to emphasize for people, right? Because I think, you know, one thing that I think we hear a lot of in the world is it, actually in the world of coaching, in the world of online entrepreneurship specifically is like, yeah. You know, this person that went from like zero to six figures overnight, zero to seven figures in, you know, 37 days, zero to eight figures in 17 minutes or whatever it is, right? Like yeah. one thing that I kind of want to emphasize here, like with bodybuilding, right? You don't build muscle overnight. Yeah. You don't build consistent, strong, sustainable, profitable businesses overnight either, right? Yeah. You've put the work in for years. I've put the work in for years. You know, I've got a lot of scars on my back, but you know, not many people would last or battle through. Yeah. Mental demons and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like I've taken that concept that was pretty much in my, and I think this is a big, big thread in the fitness side of things. I had a very successful coaching career. And there was one moment for me that really shifted everything in business is I got to the point where I was fed up of my impact. I realized I'm not fucking impacting enough people here. I remember sitting in a coffee shop writing my book with like fucking mounds of paper up. And I was like, you know what? Like this whole thing makes sense. I'm going from one to one to one to many here. And I've got to apply this philosophy to every aspect of yeah. my business. Yeah. Worth, I can serve greater numbers of people through my work and create a system that I can get fairly paid for it repetitively over time that yeah. then allows me to grow as an individual, right? I also realized and identified earlier on, right? I see my role as a leader. But you got to understand, Phil, a leader isn't always at the top. A leader is sometimes in the middle, sometimes at the back. And you're going to have to face a lot of ridicule, criticism, and challenge to get to that leadership role. Yeah. So I organically grew the thing from demand and scaled and scaled. And you know now we have a business that 
organically turns over seven figures a year. We have not spent a penny on adverts. I think I did like one advert like six months ago for a live event in London, which is just an event. Yeah. But the reality is this. It's like I've already built that reputation through word of mouth and hard craftsmanship. And I think that that is a big, big thing that a lot of people are looking to skip over. And one trend that I've seen in the fitness industry and also seen in the general business space is that when something hasn't worked out for you as a coach or a trainer or as a business person, the easiest thing for you to think about is something that pays you quick and in big chunky cash. And of course, that's fucking mentoring, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's a philosophy of like being one step ahead of the client in order to coach. Yeah, to a fucking degree. And then initially your clients catch up with you and they're better than you. But the reality is, you know, I'm only going to invest in somebody that has been through the trenches and has lost more, won more, and accumulatively is open and humble about communicating that wisdom in a package, in a system, in a way that allows me to get results and has consistent proof of doing it time and time again. And, you know, I think there's one really important thing to bear in mind about testimonials and working with people is that you're going to have hyper responders, right? Hyper responders that, you know, just lean in, implement real fast and do the stuff. And then you're going to have the majority of maybe don't. But yeah. if you look at your coaching business and ask yourself, on average, are my clients winning or are they losing? And I'm constantly asking myself that question. I get a lot of my self-worth from my client's success. So when my clients suck, I suck. I have a really fucking bad day. I feel their pain, right? So I'm always asking myself, how can we serve these people better? How can we get it better? And I think that that mechanism and that layer of thinking is so much overlooked. Everybody's looking now about this quick act. How can I get leads real quick? How can I get sales real quick? And, you know, bear in mind when you make the fucking exchange, you need to commit. You've got a duty to actually get the client a result. And a big, big shift in my mindset, and I know I'm sort of going off on a tangent here, but- No, I like like this because this is something that I think people need to hear. This is important. I think, right, you know, I have been through the whole, like, you know, I'm 32 years of age. I had my first seven figures when I was 27 with all my other businesses. And I thought when I hit that, I'm going to be, this is, that's it. I'm going to retire. I'm going to be whatever. And (laughs) I hit that and I was like, is that it? Is that it? Right? I didn't take into account the amount of tax that I had to pay, the amount of VAT that I had to pay. I didn't take into account that a lot of my best friends would turn around to hate me. I didn't take into the fact that my family would say that I worked too hard. I didn't yeah. take into account that it would cause massive challenges in my relationship. I didn't take into account that I would like wobble with uncertainty. Could I sustain this? And um, I had to go through all of that for a long period of time and really knuckle down into going, right, the only way for me to make this thing fucking sustainable is to really change somebody's life and stop focusing on getting clients but focusing on the relationship and focusing on how that client feels when they work with me. And if you come to work with me, like I'm diehard, like I'm committed to getting your result. I will take so much responsibility. There's a large part of ownership on you, but I know that our systems, our infrastructure, the quality, everything that we have has just been shaped and shaped and shaped and shaped to make sure that you are getting a result as a client. And, and I that's think the kind of mindset you need to have. What's interesting here, it's funny because I actually, I mentioned this to one of my clients the other day because they asked me, they're like, Xander, when you're earning seven figures, like, do you still have imposter syndrome? And I told them, what I told them was, yes, and I never want to lose it, right? Yeah. Because it's exactly what you just said. You know, it's this, just like you mentioned, my, you know, I do have some of my self-worth tied into the success of my clients. And it's not a bad thing. Because I think it always drives me to find better, to continue to grow, to continue to get more, 
right? Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but having that tide there gives you this desire to always continue to grow. Yeah, I think on that with imposter syndrome, right? I think yeah. there's gotta be, right? I don't think that I can say that I don't suffer from imposter syndrome, right? That's not a, an issue that I deal with because imposter syndrome is me thinking that I'm not good enough or I don't know enough. Yeah. I've already banked in my head the amount of lives and businesses that I've changed just like you had. Maybe not imposter syndrome. but fear, if- It's fear of failure, right? Because yes. here's the fucking deal. When you get to the top, when you're at seven figures, the crash is so much fucking bigger. <laughs> and I think so, people don't realize right? that. They think so, you're good so, to go. Yeah. So like, you know, we just took a new accountant on that's like 20 grand a year. And I remember when I was PTing, I was paying like, you know, a grand, right? You know, my fucking Stripe bill was like 45K on fees. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I've got these big volatilities. You spend more on payment processing. And more on payment processing than ads. More on payment processing than on advertising and more than most people make in a year. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? And that is why like when you've created something like that, like environment and the people that you speak to and the way you manage your time and the way you manage your energy and how you guard your inputs is crucial. And I mean, this is really, really personal because it's going deep and you'll feel my pain with this, but like the panic attacks in the middle of the night, the random sporadic, like you're going to feel it's all going to go wrong. The knowing what to do, but not having the self-belief to sometimes put it together and put it into action and coupled with sometimes clients leave. Uh, sometimes sales don't close. Sometimes team members do the wrong things. Yeah. And then you've got to, you know, be happy for your family. You maybe want to have a kid, you want to grow and you've got all these like things coming at you. So for me, really looking after my mental health, having my routines, I'm a big, big guy for right. Okay. Outcome routines daily. Let's process it in. Let's repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. And I think that you know, there are so many things that I could talk about about routines and disciplines, but I'm very mindful of who I'm around. I'm very mindful of what I look at. I'm very mindful of how I think. You know, I ask, I've got a very strong internal dialogue, but there are some things that do get me at some points that are challenges that are bigger than what my current level of growth can handle. Yeah. And sometimes I go through extreme periods, not of imposter syndrome, because I'm great at what I do. I go through periods of self-doubt and am I capable? Yeah. Right. It's a matter of physical energy because like sometimes, you know, we can delegate so much, but sometimes, you know, while the thing's growing and, you know, you think that you're like me, you think ahead, you're not necessarily thinking now you're like living in the future. Like, where are we going to be? What's the targets? Where are we at? Whatever. And, you know, the money is very important that I'm hyper aware of my wealth. All that is like, you're making all this money, but money sitting in a bank account is useless and it's actually dangerous. Yeah. So I'm not one of these guys that keeps a lot of cash to hand. You know, building the process is to take your wealth out of your bank account and put them into assets to create passive revenue that replace the active revenue so that you're protected, the business is protected. That is a whole different paradigm of thought that requires more delegation. And now you've got a whole different area that you're growing and learning in. Exactly, right? So I think, you know, as a seven-figure business owner, you've got to be really sharp with how you guard your mind and your focus. Like my time is like, you try to book in for a podcast, you can get one for fucking, the link's like so dialed in, right? And you know, like I turned down a lot of podcasts. I love you to bits. That's why we're doing it. We've got a great energy and all that kind of stuff. But like, I'm very just protectful of what I let it in and what I see. But secondly as well, I think you've got to be hyper vigilant about mental health. You've got to be hyper vigilant about your money. You've got to have a really high value on money and wealth. And when I talk about wealth, it's not about what you make, it's about what you keep. 
right? So like, you know, if you're doing 50K a month, 30K a month, 20K a month, where is that money going? And have you got a system to take that money out tax efficiently and put it into something that's going to pay you in 10 to 15 years? And are you prepared to play 10 to 15 years? I'm prepared to play to 10 to 15 years because when I know if I ever want to take the foot off the gas or if something goes wrong with me, that my passive income allows me to have a lifestyle, allows me to buy anything I want without risk. When you're active all the time, you're... You just mentioned something that I want to hit on because I think it's incredibly important. And it was, I was having a conversation with Tom Bilyeu a few months ago. And one of the big problems that I see, especially in the coaching space, is this mentality of, you know, like, well, you could die tomorrow. So live today doing the things that you want to do today. And I understand that. But the truth is 90 to 95% of us are not going to die tomorrow or within the next 20 years, we're going to be living nice long lives, right? Especially if we're very focused on our health, our wellness, our nutrition, that sort of stuff. So, you know, if we're making decisions based on just to make sure today is the best day possible, we're going to be missing out on making sure that we live a purposeful, happy, wealthy life for the next, I don't know, let's say 60 to 80 to 100 years, right? 100%. And I think the big thing as well, a lot of business owners need to realize is that, you know, it's very easy to make seven figures in a year, but how long are you going to be alive for? Yeah. So you've got to be able to create a business that has the infrastructure, the systems, the processes to sustain that and also be able to accommodate, you know, changes in the marketplace, changes in competition, changes in advertising. I mean, you look at all the changes that have occurred in advertising, you know, organically over the last six months, like we talked about it earlier, everybody's doing a five, one, three, oh, yeah. right. Everybody's doing the same stuff, right? So what has to happen is you have to be smarter and bring in your personality and your real self more to your marketing. And that's very hard for a lot of people to do. So not only have you got to adapt from a marketing and a systems and a processes perspective, but you've also as well got to create that system and have that long-term thinking to go, I'm putting money away into assets that pay me possibly because realistically, right? Think about this as a business owner. If you're making a lot of money right now and a part of it's going to go back into the business and a part of it is also going to go to your own personal and a part of it should be going towards savings if you're smart. But an ultimate goal of what you should be doing right now, especially if you're making a lot of cash, is to put as much money away into assets that are paying you possibly so that you've got that fundamental income that covers living expenses so that if the business went tits up, that you could still operate and survive. And I think that is a very liberating, wise and growth yet protective oriented way to build a business, right? It's so interesting because this is, and you know, you probably can talk to this as well, but I've noticed there's a certain level, right? That as a business owner, that once you make this level, right? Once you make that level, a lot of the scarcity mindset starts to fall away and you really start to be able to focus on ramping up, doing more, going bigger. And if you can get to a point where, you know, you have a passive stream that is that then covering that, then the rest of it, you have wiggle room, you have this open space to really play to impact yeah. the lives that you want to impact to change the world the way that you want to change it level covered yeah it allows you to operate at a, just a much more powerful way and the way we designed our programs and we talk about it quite a bit is basically setting you up for exit so yeah we work with fitness professionals and we basically get them to create a vehicle, a machine that prints as much cash as possible so that they can take that, invest that, so it creates a passive revenue so that when they want to exit, they don't want to PT when they're 50 years of age, yeah. that they've got either the property, they've got the assets that pay that. But Xander, not many people think like that. 
Yeah. Right. You know, I think I always tell people that in the entrepreneurial world, the first problem is how do I make money? The second problem is how do I keep my money? And then yeah. the third problem is how do I make the money I keep make more money? Exactly. Right. And as you begin to go over the thresholds of making more money, like let's face it, the tax, well, I'm, you're in San Diego, right? Let's but, not, let's not talk about the taxes in right? San California, man. The UK, UK tax and value UK. taxes are horrendous. Yeah. Yep. Right? And obviously, you know, you're a coaching business, so you can't claim it back. Right. You know, we're not buying equipment. They're not buying machinery. Yeah. Right? So we can only claim back certain things through tax. So, you know, realistically, you're having to work harder to keep above the pulpit, right? Yeah. So with that, you can't build an inspiring life. You can't build an inspiring business without delegation. And trust me, delegation, when you start scaling, is quite hard because you're worried about passing off control and you're worried about somebody doing something wrong. Just like we were just talking about earlier. <laughs> okay. So, you know, those are things that you've got to take into account. So I think like there's two really important principles for anybody that's gearing themselves up to build a really powerful, profitable business is one, mental health and make sure that everything's guarded, that you know exactly where you're going. You've got a clear mission, that you're really clear on what potentially triggers you and what inspires you. You need to be around high performance people, yeah. right? You need to be around it. Like, you know, we've been together in masterminds and groups and stuff like that. And we've been around smarter people. We've got ideas and insights. We want to go and quietly work away on that stuff and then implement that into your own business and then see the fruits of that labor. And um, two, it's good to soundboard. So like we were talking off air, having a challenge with this, having a win with this, having a challenge with that. And you're like, fuck, I can relate to that. So yeah. being able to network with somebody who understands it is great. And I think so many people are around family, friends. They're around people that awesome. don't get it. Yeah, They don't get it, right? And they're all they're surrounded by is yes, man, right? Yeah. People that are agreeing to what they're going through and at the end of the day, they're just going to feed their own bias, yeah. right? So being really, really ruthless. They're going to help you dig your own grave faster. <laughs> 100%. That's the 100%. only thing that comes from that. <laughs> so you've got like guarding that routines and habits. Like everybody's talking about routines and habits, but nobody fucking implements it. Right. So what do I mean by that? Like so consistent with your journaling, so consistent with your priority action steps for the day, reviewing your day, like dissect. Like I can't remember who said the quote, a life worth inspecting isn't worth living or something. Or, a life well inspected is a life worth living or something. It was like, yeah, you know, oh, that's good though. Marcus Aurelius or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. But long story short, like I'm going through my day going, right, what did I do well? What did I not? Where was I off? Where was I triggered? Where was I slow? Where was I whatever? And I'm taking that nugget and plugging it into tomorrow. Yeah. And it's like me and the rest. It's a constant iterative cycle so that every day you're growing. Yeah. Like you get a lot of people like buying these journals and stuff and they buy them for 30 days or 90 days and they stop. Yeah. Right. But I know that it's part of the system for me to help me to win. Right. I just want to be a sharper, smarter human being. And so mental outputs, secondly, wealth, knowing what you're going to do with your money and knowing how you're going to invest it to allow you to create passive revenue when you exit. And I think third as well is also remembering why you're doing all this right? Because yeah. there's a certain point when you start earning a lot of money where your lifestyle doesn't really change too much. Yeah. Right. And, you know, a big, big thing for me was changing from financial target to impact. And the impact was the unlimited sort of parameter. Whereas when I got to one, I wanted to go to two. When I got to two, I wanted to go to three. When I got to three, I wanted to go to seven. Right. So that's caused me a lot of anxiety over the years. Yeah. Right. You know, you go into a room and I've always I've said this before multiple times, you worry about the guy making two minutes, you worry about the guy making four. Why? Yeah. Right. So for me, my life's very simple, right? I love great food. I love cigars. I love fishing. 
I love wine, I love jujitsu, and I like reading and learning and reflecting on my life, and I love public speaking. And if I can do all of that, help other people and get paid whilst I do that, I'm very fulfilled and very happy, yep. right? And, you know, I'm always reminding myself of why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Because, like, you know, more money when you're just going for targets, bigger decisions, more responsibility, more challenge, it can eat away at you. And if you forget your why, you can drive yourself insane. Yeah. And, you know, like we all want to be successful and there is, you know, a meal thing. We want to have significance. We want to have this and that, but we sometimes lose ourselves in the quest to be better than others and forget about ourselves. Yeah. Well, and I think also something that you pointed out there is going for that end goal rather than just enjoying that process, right? Because so much of it is that process of growth as well. And if you can start to enjoy that process of constantly growing, constantly bettering yourself and along the way, doing the things you love, going fishing, jujitsu, eating well, yeah. right? That's really what your fulfillment should be dialed in from as well. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, like, you know, I organize my week. I talk to this about my client. I pick my churches. So my churches are jujitsu, time with my wife, and eating out in a nice restaurant twice a week. And I know those are my charge points. I have yeah. to have. And yeah. then I build out around that, right? So like the next priority is what, like sales or a team meeting or, yeah. you know, operations or something like, you know, a meeting with someone, right? I think that's a really important thing that I want to emphasize for everybody, right? Because that's something that I do as well, right? Same thing. It's like, you know, there's my Sunday self-development time. There's date night with my wife. There's self-care on Mondays. And then there's rock climbing, right? It's like, if I do those four things every single week, you know, I will be taken care of. And then we can start to focus on the business. We can focus on sales and lead gen and client support and all that sort of stuff. But like, I got to take care of that first before anything else. Yeah, and I think, you know, like as you're growing a business, you do have to go through the pain and frustration of doing stuff that you don't want to do to then pass it off. Yeah. You know, it's not one of those things you can necessarily always walk in, especially if you're just going from zero to hero. Like yeah. you're not going to know what to delegate because you haven't figured it out yet. You haven't done it yourself. You haven't gotten dirty. You haven't gone into the trenches yet. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, you know, like you said there about enjoying the journey. I think that there is a switch that flicks in you. It's a perspective shift. When you're growing a business, in the early stages, you're very reactive and you're very emotional. Yeah. I have learned over time to become desensitized to that. Like the whole journey of building a big, powerful business for me, believe it or not, has been a very selfish act of me to try and learn more about myself, love myself more, and be able to control my emotions more, which in turn has transferred to other areas of my life. So if I can, you know, use the business in that way to grow me, because let's face it, you know, the true test of an individual or a human is you take away his power, take away his, his money, take away his business, and is he still able to rebuild himself and love himself, right? Yeah. So if I love myself underneath all of this stuff, I know that this is just a game. What is it? Your models, your needs, you, you've got your love, you've got your shelter, you've got your food, you've got your water, and everything else is just a fucking game. Yep. Right. So like sometimes I need to remind myself of that. Right. And I mean, you know, I've gone through the whole phase of like growing a business and sometimes being distracted by competition and I'm sure everybody else has. And, you know, more people that are coming into the space and trying to say the same thing and regurgitate your stuff and copy your stuff and all this. But I think like no matter what's happened, I've always had business. And I think that that's like, I've been through this challenge before. I've been through a similar challenge or even worse. And it's panned out good. So I know that there's something exciting in this. And it's like a framework inside your head where you predictably know this is serving me. I just don't know how yet. Keep it between the hedges. 
keep on. Even if you think about, you go back to habits, right? And like, I think one of the quotes around habits is Aristotle says, we are what we repeatedly do, right? So therefore success is not an action. It's a habit. And what you're referring to is even a thought habit. It's a mindset habit, right? When you get put in a tough situation, while most people have the habit of, oh my God, be reactive. Like this is not going to work well. You have the habit, like your immediate thought pattern becomes, I've been there before. I can handle this. I'm not comfortable right now, but this is going to end well and something good is going to come from this. And because of that, rather than freaking out or being overwhelmed or slowing down and backing up, you calm down, you take a breath and you speed up. And that's actually what creates more success. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, you know, like when that happens, I think that's whenever you need to guard your inputs the most because if you have a lot of things going on, you're really susceptible at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It can cause you to overthink. It can cause you to over exaggerate and then go off on a tangent. So, you know, protect and having someone as well to reach out to whenever those kind of situations arise in business. Somebody Uh, that gets it, not your family, not your friends. Yeah. hundred percent. Somebody that gets it, that's super objective and goes, okay, what's the problem? What do you think it's missing? What are the first action steps that you could do? Why haven't you taken them? When can you do this by like, you know, we know that sometimes in our own head, but sometimes we need to hear it from somebody that we respect or to verify it. And I think that, you know, value extraction changes over a period of time for clients. Initially when a client doesn't know what to do, it's like fill my knowledge gap. Whereas as you mature and you get deeper and deeper into it, it's like, is this the right way or is this the wrong way? Is there a faster way or is this the least efficient way? So, you know, value extraction sort of changes with that. You know what I mean? So you've got to be like, we're all on this journey of trying to better ourselves and master ourselves and building a great business is a great game to play if you want to become an all-around better human. I just love that you're framing it as it's a great game to play. Yeah, That's that's the way it really should be looked at. You know, like I used to think about it like it's win or lose. It's not, right? The very minute that you lose is the minute when you, like I was listening to the other day, Sam Harris. I don't know if you're following his Sam Harris stuff. No. Um, Sam is really worthwhile listening to. Neuroscientist, does a lot of stuff on consciousness and stuff. Uh, Ferris and stuff is big into him. But, you know, really like talking about the concept of free will and yeah. we have free will. And free will actually doesn't exist when you actually examine it on a scientific level. Because yeah. thoughts, you know, enter into our head. We can't control the thoughts that enter into our heads, how we interpret them and what we then act after those thoughts. So, you know, if I said to you, you know, think about your favorite thriller film. There's going to be a selection of films percolating through your thought right now that are ultimately going to be a selection. I'd say pick your favorite one. And then there could be a number of thrillers that you didn't think about that weren't even in your mind at all. So, you know, again, it's one of those things that if you haven't seen the full perspective of something, you'll never know how it's blessed you. You'll never know how it's served you. That's the big thing about being open-minded. And Ray Dalio talks about that a lot as well. You know, being ruthlessly open-minded. Ruthlessly. I think this is something that everybody can like. I think I added my own word there, right? But like, But I think that's really important because I think, you know, one of the things, at least I'd love to hear your thoughts on this for me to get to, you know, from a non-existent business to six figures, to multiple six figures, to seven figures, I had to be willing to be ruthlessly open-minded about my beliefs, my thoughts, my habits, what, like even what I thought was right and wrong, up and down, left and right, good and bad, you know, all the things that I was taught, I had to be ruthlessly open-minded. I think that's a really good term to put there. Because who I am now, like looks back at the person when I was first starting my business and I'm not the same at all. And it's because I had to be so open-minded that I had to let go of that identity as a person to become this person. Yeah. And I think that's so important. 
yeah, as you grow your business and income goes up, leadership goes up, team goes up, your identity does have to change. And, you know, people talk about like, you know, life mission statements and stuff like that. Like it actually becomes more important as you grow. And I think you need more personal development as you grow because you need reinforcement. Yeah. The challenges are greater. And if you let those challenges mount up, you can get knocked off the horse, right? Yep. So, you know, like I want to condition myself into a way of thinking that allows me to operate, you know, in a certain way to get a goal done. And, you know, when we talked about the concept of being open-minded, you know, a lot of people don't have that. They think like, for example, I'm not generating leads. Yeah. Okay. There's something wrong and I need the sexiest thing. Well, have you ever stopped to consider that your messaging or just your fundamental stuff? The might basics are wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're not getting leads, it's a really good sign that you're not speaking the correct language. It's not in front of enough people or you're fucking boring. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you'll have those filters like me. I'll run that through my head first and go, have I been consistent? Have I been boring? Have I been this? Have I been that? Yes. And then you're like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> like, now I know what to do. When it gets to the point where you run through that filter and you think you've done everything right, then it's like, okay, do I need something to like add in? Whereas like the novice will be like, right, I need 101 different things. I need a quiz. I need a, you know, I need a, a pop-up. We need to get many chat on, on the go. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get, like, you know, we need to get. They're trying, to, yeah. They're trying to find the microwave solution, the magic pill that fixes. And we, like, let's face it. We have all been there. Yeah, of course. You have all been there, right? Like I remember I did the whole ebook thing and like the upsells and like, I think like my top upsell was like 250 quid, <laughs> like a, a range of cookbooks and like, you know, a couple of muscle building books and stuff. But like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, there's been a lot of nuggets there of value. I mean, if you're not writing down stuff right now, I honestly, you're missing out. Rewind and watch this, but. You know, I like. I was just about to say. I think I could just keep. There's so many little nuggets of wisdom in terms of like getting your business up and running that like I wish we could just have like every little one of these documented. So if somebody is taking this down, let me know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think we can both agree on this that building a seven-figure business is not all sunny days, happiness, and glory. There comes a point where you have to push, and it's beyond what the money is beyond the status and its service. Yeah. The only thing that's going to contribute to that is like your service. And I've said to many of my clients, like my mission, my purpose, my service is my best friend. That's the thing that keeps me company at night because it's like my work of art in my head. How can I make it better? How can I make it stronger, more permanent? How can I make it more creative? How can I help people more? Well, and without it, you won't be, and frankly, this is like the most honest way to put this, you just won't be strong enough to survive the storms that you have to weather to get there. If you don't have that deep down, if you don't find it, just like you mentioned, hold on to it, refine it, stoke it, right? If it's a little flame, stoke it, feed it to make it bigger. You're not going to be able to weather the tough times that you have to go through to get there. 100%. And it is that, you know, there are people that have fast growth, but again, do they last? There are people that have fast growth that it maybe does last, but that's not your life. It's not for you to worry about. And I think you can take, right, what have they done well? What have they not done well? And focus on your own stuff. Like, stop looking at what everybody else is doing in their business. Focus on you. Yeah. Honestly, when you start going into the higher echelons of like business and leadership and just overall the company that you keep, you start to realize that what anyone else doing doesn't really fucking matter. Yeah. When you're at the lower echelons and you're sort of trying to survive, you're looking at what everyone else is doing and you're comparing and you're minimizing and you're 
you're putting people on pedestals and you're doing all this stuff that's just making their emotions go out of whack and you can't think and operate. And it's preventing you from just executing. It's preventing you from executing, right? So like, you know, in a very like stable position whereby like I'm only focused on my thing, like my thing. Right? I don't care what competition's doing. It's going to exist. I need it for creativity and growth anyway. And there's millions of customers, like billions of customers, yeah. you know, running a business. And I think that's another thing that you've got to get your head around is like, well, if we lose a client, we'll replace them. So what? It's yeah. just one client. So I'd love to just wrap this up because I think we've kept you past time anyways. So I do appreciate that, Phil. But if I were to just ask you, I just want to ask you a couple of quick questions of like a speed, speed round. Number one, if you were to go start all over again and you were able to give that version of you one piece of advice, what would you tell that version of you starting all over again? So... So what would I tell myself? Yeah. It's not one thing. It's a combination of things. So I'm going to checklist this. Number one would have been to invest in myself sooner. Yeah. Reach out and ask for help. And look, I know you hear that a lot. And everybody listening hear this a lot. And I don't know whatever way, you know, you're going to interpret this or whatever. It's not a secret sales pitch or whatever. But when you invest money out of your bank account into someone that has been where you want to go and has got legitimate proof is in line with your values, is in line with you as a human and you get them energetically and you just like them, the only thing that's holding you back is your own self-doubt. Yeah. And accountability should hurt. The reality is what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to learn from someone smarter than you, you're going to get accountable and you're going to act. Money sitting in a bank account doing nothing is not safe. Putting it into something that's going to acquire greater wealth, greater wisdom, greater knowledge, greater skill sets, it's going to allow you to monetize off that and grow off that is safe. It's called investment. Yeah. So investing, right? I remember I used to like ponder over investing in a mastermind and all this kind of stuff back when I was like 21. I was really fucking young, right? Yeah. But you know, like I invested in my first mastermind when I was like 22, it was like 40k for the year. But like I couldn't even put a value on the amount of return that I got from that, right? It was like colossal. And secondly would be to get comfortable at passing control and delegating. And I think that you know, when you delegate to someone, be very clear on what you want them to do and why. Yes, it will cost you money, but it frees up mind space and it frees up time and energy to do other things that you're great at. Number three is to really select your friends carefully and you're going to outgrow people. You're going to outgrow your best friends. You're going to outgrow family members. I had to fire my family for a period of years because yeah. they didn't believe in what I was doing. And all I was met with was He's so focused on money. He's so focused on business. He's so focused on this. He's so focused on that. And all I was doing was helping people and getting paid for it through a process and loving what I was doing. And if I would have listened to my parents, I'd be working as a fucking doctor or a lawyer in a shitty hospital doing something that I didn't like and where I wasn't unique. Yep. No disrespect to anybody that does that. That's uniquely theirs, but that's not me. Yep. And the reality is I wouldn't have survived or been able to help people in that career path. And I'm helping people every fucking day in their businesses with everything else in their fitness worlds do stuff and if i had to listen to my family and the people around me like my friends don't do that that's stupid that's risky don't do this i would have never got anywhere right so you know don't be afraid to fire them for a while let them go for a while and just be like know that they're only doing it out of their own awareness and that putting them on mute for a while is perfectly fine touching in base but not listening to what they're saying so yeah. you know, when you're like, I can go down to my mom's and stuff like that, you know, I still get shard with like, you know, whatever. But I only, I know that she knows that that's the only thing from her background and her lifestyle that 
it's just trying to protect me. So I get it. I appreciate it, but I also don't take it to heart. What else? I think, you know, getting really, really clear, like if you're in a relationship, like getting your other half on the same page, realizing that she's not going to be another you. I think that's a big mistake. A lot of entrepreneurs make it certainly a mistake that I made was trying to get another me in the relationship. And all I would have ended up with is two dicks. Right? I was going to say, it wouldn't, that wouldn't go well for anybody, man. Well, that wouldn't go well, right? But I think there's part when you're first starting to grow a relationship, where you're all entrepreneurial, you're all focused, you're all about go, 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 and you want your other half to do that, but she serves different roles in the relationship, like family, social, kids, all that kind of stuff where I'm not good at, Yeah. right? So I'm super strong in the business, I'm super strong in the sort of the wealth, but I'm not good in the family, I'm not amazing in the social. Like, you know, me and you go to like, America, all we want to do is talk about business, right? Yeah. It's because <laughs> it's what we're passionate about. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So, what know, we love to do, man. <laughs> like, she's my disowned part, if you want to put yeah. it like that. So, yeah, I mean, stuff like that, super important. I think, but, I, think yeah. you know, I would really echo one of the things that you said there is either firing friends and family members or putting them on mute. I remember when I was first starting my business, it was about 12 to 18 months that I had to put my family on mute. Because I was just like, this and you know what? Like, that's a really hard thing to do because you're feeling guilty. And like, I was brought up in a Christian household where I was told that honor your mother and father, right? Yeah, it, it was tough, man. It was tough. But I look back and it was probably one of the most important things that I did when I got my business started was, you know, putting everybody, my friends that didn't serve me, even my family members, my mom, who's like one of my favorite people in the entire world, put them on mute, right? And it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But I look at it now and it's like, I get to live by my family. I'm near my godson. I'm near my nephew. And I get to spend time with them. But it's because in the beginning, I had to put people on mute because I couldn't, just like you mentioned, in the vulnerable times, I couldn't handle them and me being susceptible to their bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And that was huge for me. So you desensitize and shut down to some stuff. And like, you can be interpreted by people that aren't business minded is like not all or on the spectrum. But like, yeah. you know, uh, there's a few times I've been called on the spectrum, right? <laughs> but like, reality is, I'm just not fucking interested, right? So like, I desensitized to it. So, you know, amazing. Uh, yeah, anything else far away, my man. Last two quick questions. We're going to try and get these in 30 seconds each. Best book that you've read recently that you want to recommend? Honestly, best book recently. I've started reading scientific advertising again. That's a good one. Yeah, that's pretty good. On top of that, I have another book by John Wooden. Is it Wooden on Leadership? Wooden on Leadership, yeah. It's really good. Just finished that one a couple months ago. That's a really good one. The the pyramid and stuff in it and all the hierarchies and stuff. So I got some principles out of that. Yeah, so those two. Cool. And then last question for you. You mentioned you were a foodie. What's your favorite food? I love barbecue stuff. I'm a big, big barbecue guy, but I really like going to like Michelin star because I've got a food background and nutrition science background. I love hearing where the foods come from, the wine pairing. I love the experience. Like, you know, it's not something that you could eat every day, but it's like something to look forward to. And I appreciate the food. I appreciate the preparation. You know, it's an experience, right? That's what it's about. Love it. Barbecue is a big, big hobby of mine. I love barbecue. Big, big pass high on wine. I get to come into summer here. I'll work here outside. I'll have a barbecue going all day. I'll throw on like pork, steaks, veg, and like the fire will be on all day. It's, it's, it's fucking Oh, amazing. I love that. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Well, Phil, thanks for joining us. Where can people learn more about you and everything that you do? Yeah, just find me on Instagram, philgram01, grifil-gram.com, and Xander will get you on the Fitness Entrepreneur podcast as well. We'll rock it out. And uh, yeah, dude. Awesome. Thanks Thanks again for joining, man. This has just been, I'm going to go back and listen to this one. There's (laughs) shit that I need to start to ingrain. 
a little bit better. So thank you for hopping on, man. Looking forward to connecting with you in a couple of weeks in California. My pleasure, brother. Thank you so, so much. Beautiful. Thanks, boss.